Hi, I'm Billy Shore. My guest today is Eric Bruner Yang. What you're going to see moving forward is a lot more restaurants are going to be more prepared to make sure that we create our own social safety nets. Hmm. I don't think any of us ever imagined that we would have to lay off 90% or more of our staff all on one day. And it was awful and painful. Welcome to Add Passion and Stir, our weekly conversation about food, passion, and making a difference in the world, especially in the time now of coronavirus. My guest today, who's been on the podcast before, is Eric Bruner Yang, incredible chef from Washington, D.C. His restaurants include ABC Pony, Brothers and Sisters Spoken English, uh, and others. He's always been involved in community, but now is making a difference like never before. Uh, we're going to talk about how and why in the course of these next 30 minutes. Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thanks for having me. I think this is the third time, which is three is my lucky number. Uh, well, we all need luck, especially right now. Um, and before we even get into what you're doing with the power of 10, Eric, uh, just tell us how you're doing. How's your family? How's your team? Uh, I'm sure a lot of folks just want to know how you're dealing with everything personally. You know, we're at the 30-day mark or a little bit more now since, you know, everybody's been in their stay-home shelters or stay-in-home order. I don't know exactly how they word it. From, like, from starting from the kids, the kids are loving it. Um, they love being at home. They're having a great time. How many um, have you got? Uh, I have three under five now. Wow. Um, my youngest is 10 weeks or maybe 12 weeks now. And then um, I have a five-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son. And... We we were basically home. Um, you know, my my youngest Ong was born on January twelfth, so uh, we've kind of been like at home already, leading up to this, kind of like on paternity leave together. Um, so it's parts of it we kind of like make it feel like it's extended paternity leave. I think that helps us cope a little bit. But you know, I'm still out going out every day and working, trying to keep the wheels turning. And I think there's a lot of anxiety in that. Um, I actually just got tested on um, Friday. And my results came back negative, and that was like a very huge relief. I think many chefs my age in their mid-30s, I think we like naturally have half of the um, COVID symptoms. That's just like our general physical disposition. Yeah, I was going to um, ask you, is that why you got tested? Were you feeling something or had you been exposed? Yeah, I mean, like I was exposed maybe like the fourth degree of Kevin Bacon, you know, like uh -huh. <laughs> you were like friend, got ex you know, friend of a friend of a friend, and then are already, already, you know, it's already allergy season. So plus just like, you know, I'm interacting a lot. I'm delivering a lot of food. Um, I'm running around. I'm going between the restaurants, checking on people. So that was, you know, and then I have kids at home. So I think the anxiety of it was just, uh, you know, but I was glad to have kind of hit that mark and come back negative. Um, yeah. So that was very strange feeling. I remember I got the email and I'm sitting in the car. And I'm just staring at, you know, it's like click the link to see your results. And I probably stared at it for like 10 minutes before I actually clicked it. But it, it was just such a strange feeling, um, you know, just that whole process. Were you saying a moment ago that kind of almost like your natural state of being as a chef and a restaurateur and a father of three is kind of that worn down, worn out yeah. feeling? Yeah, I'm always congested. I always have body aches. You know, I'm always tired. But, you know, I've been trying to be, I think there's been a lot of habit changes in just people around the world. And it's a terrible situation, but it's given everybody an opportunity to pause and reflect on how they've lived their life. 
um, what they're doing, what they what they think their life will be like moving forward, and take care better care of themselves and take better care of others. And I think this opportunity has forced people to do that. And if they don't take this opportunity to do that, I think that they're kind of missing maybe some of the point of all of it, right? And so the question is whether we can learn from it in more than just a passing way, but in a way that really changes our, our behaviors you know, profoundly and to some degree permanently. Eric, tell me how many restaurants you've got, how many employees you had, how many you have now, how you've handled that part of it before we get into what you're doing now with Power of 10. Um, I wear two hats. So I'm a small business owner and uh, owner of four restaurants, Maketo, um, ABC Pony, Spoken English, and Brothers and Sisters. Uh, two of my restaurants are closed indefinitely, which is Brothers and Sisters and Spoken English. And two, uh, ABC Pony and Maketo are still open for takeout and delivery. Um, our company, for a National, uh, which is the name of our restaurant group, we had about 225 employees. We're down to our last 30. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'm also the executive chef of the regional pizza brand and pizza. And um, a lot of the inspiration for the work I've done for my own small business was working for a company that put community over profit um, and really um, was agile in launching their Hero Pie promotion, which has really helped our business. One, it's helping others um, by giving free pizzas to medical workers in the region indefinitely. So it just started with the way Hero Pie for Am Pizza just started. They just did it. They just said, if you're a medical worker, you can have free pizza. Just um, text us a picture of your work ID badge. We have this great kind of texting relationship with our um, customers and employees um, where you could literally text the number 200-03 all day long if you wanted to. And there's someone that will talk to you doesn't even wow. have to be about pizza. And so that's just kind of been one of our fun and pizza things. And it's really been mobilized now to do good. Yeah, if you're a medical worker, you just text a picture about your ID to that number. They'll send you a promo code and you can do it every day and get your pizzas. I think we just hit the 25,000 pizza mark. Um, I was going to ask you how many folks have taken you up on that. It sounds like a lot. Yeah, and that's just 25,000 pizzas that have made it through the promo code. There's been large, large bulk deliveries, et cetera, et cetera. And then so then they kind of changed that into two campaigns that and then the you can buy one pie for yourself and another pie will get donated that helps us sustain it financially and then corporate sponsorships. So, you know, that was work that I was doing for someone that I worked for and really was kind of looking into I had a few group of employees left. It was important for us to try to keep these restaurants going, uh, especially Maketo, which is a which is a centerpiece of our neighborhood here on H Street just waking up every day and putting our lives on danger just to try to save my business didn't really feel great, but it felt like, you know, still something you needed to do. So we really wanted to make sure that we had something that we could all rally around and wake up every morning um, and feel like, okay, we, we can make a difference and we can help others and leverage our resources that we have to, you know, just try to keep our communities intact. And your employees um, who had to, were they furloughed? Were they laid off? Or you, do you think, uh, will, or, or, or did most of them go to unemployment benefits? What's the impact been on them? Yeah, you know, I think that what you're going to see moving forward is a lot more restaurants are going to be more prepared to make sure that we create our own social safety nets. Hmm. I don't think any of us ever imagined that we would have to lay 
off 90% or more of our staff all on one day, which is essentially what, and it is what we did. We laid everybody off and it was awful and painful. And to be fit, you know, to be a little bit hard on myself, it was like just this, a bit of disbelief. All my restaurants have an Asian are Asian inspired, you know, I'm Asian American and we, we always say we cook American food, but we cook American food in a different cultural context of like, to me, what American food is now. But in the end of the day, we, we, you know, we focus on Asian flavors and we were definitely feeling the financial strain of COVID weeks before the restaurants were shut down. We were uh, week on week, you know, down 15, 20, 25%. Um, And that's really just because of what the general, you know, the general, politicalization of the origins of COVID and how people were perceiving Asian food in relationship up to the shutdown. Just people just stopped going to Asian restaurants, whether or not they felt a way or not about it, but subconsciously they just stopped eating Asian food. And so up until that point, we were already losing and bleeding money. You know, it was almost a relief to get shut down because instead of like a death of a thousand cuts, it was like, okay, this is the day we, you know, lay our swords down. I think our first few employees didn't start receiving their unemployment checks till last week. So that's 21 days after they filed. And to be fair, the system was extremely overwhelmed, but I think that, um, you know, to lay off a lot of people really not have enough financials in, in our bank to be able to offer them anything outside of an apology, um, was really tough. We spoke recently, Eric, with Amanda Cohen, who's got a restaurant in New York called Dirt Candy. And she was saying that, um, you know, if our, um, and she was saying she felt some personal responsibility for the fact that uh, she said, if our, uh, if our restaurant workers uh, are in such, and our servers and our staff and our cooks uh, are in such bad shape financially living so close to the margin, um, then maybe there's something wrong with the way we've structured our restaurant business uh, to begin with. And she also talked about creating, uh, a, you know, a social safety net going forward. Um, any sense of what that looks like yet? Uh, when, when you said those words, what, what were you envisioning? I think it's mixed one. I think that, you know, I've always been, um, I don't want to say I'm, I'm a proponent of the no tipping system, but the math of having your restaurant have tip included or just raise the prices and not charge tip. And, and create an equitable system in your restaurant has always made sense. But, you know, the majority of restaurants are already open and to switch a financial situation for any of your employees is very difficult, right? You can't even imagine just trying to tell someone that you're going to switch pay periods or you're going to switch payroll processing or, you know, just like anytime you have to move or change someone's money in, in, a, in, a, in a way that they're, it's already, they're used to a system or process is very complicated but i think it is very important now for everyone to reapproach our businesses to see okay now we're leading up to reopening not everything we did worked we just did it because that's the way people have always done it right Mm, yeah and i think that there should be a reflection in that that being said you know the cost of living in new york the cost of living in washington dc you know even if we were paying everybody 25 bucks an hour you're still probably going to be living on the margins, right? The issue, the issue is not necessarily the hourly wage. The systems that are broken are all the other things that 
we need to, that everyone needs to step up to make life just easier for everybody from you shouldn't be you know sick at the hospital wondering how much it's going to cost you to get a ventilator because if you happen to survive COVID-19 when you're sick you're not going to survive the cost of it when that bill hits your house those are big systematic problems so i think like school healthcare transportation food all of those things you know make the cost of living in the united states so high especially in major city markets where you know if you're making you know like i said 25 bucks an hour you're still going to be possibly living on the margins and so i think there's just a lot of stuff to unpack but you know i think i hope that we all find new ways to live and to do better. So really you guys, yeah, for you guys, you guys have been fighting this fight for so long. These food security issues happen, have existed at these same numbers long before this pandemic, right? Yeah, the that's pandemic, exactly right. The pandemic only highlights how bad it is. That's right. And, you know, for many people... Um, our, our focus of uh, making sure that kids in school who are eligible for school lunch and school breakfast are getting it. Uh, that's always been our work and it's what we're doing now. Even though the schools are closed, we're finding alternate ways to to feed kids. We've put out, I think, nine point, as of today, $9.9 .9 million in grants to almost 400 uh, school districts and other organizations that are working to do that. But to, to the point that you just made, uh, many people, and we've heard from thousands of new donors and supporters who want to help, many people were not aware until now, until COVID closed the schools, that so many young children in America depended on school meals for their sustenance. Uh, now they are aware of that. And I think the support for our work will not just be in during this emergency, but uh, hopefully longer term. And we'll get to the point where, you know, everybody understands that kids need to eat if they're going to thrive, if they're going to do well in school. So it's raised attention. Um, we, we had... Um, the uh, founder of Sojourners, Jim Wallace, on the other day, and he said something similar to what you just said, which is that uh, the coronavirus has revealed truths that have been there all along. And uh, in some ways, hopefully that will, that elevated consciousness will, I hope, lead to a more just society. Uh, tell us about Power of 10. So you're, you're not only, I mean, you're, you're making me feel like a slacker these days because you've got the restaurants, you've got the three kids um, under the age of five, and now you've created Power of 10 as a way of uh, putting chefs and restaurant uh, employees back to work. Uh, where did the idea come from? How does it work? So the, the, the seed of the idea of Power of 10 initiative really started from just internal planning on what we needed to do on a weekly basis moving forward in our new normal for my, my businesses to stay viable. And the same kind of numbers kept popping up that if we produced $10,000 a week in sales, we'd be able to sustain 10 full-time jobs. And to do that, we would need to sell a thousand dinners. Um, and you know that was kind of like, we were doing the math for Maketo, we were doing the math for ABC Pony. And I was driving home one day, and this is probably around like March 16, March 17. And you know since 2007, I've opened about maybe six businesses on H Street, some for other people, some for myself, right? And I was just so used to the H Street corridor on a Friday, Saturday night, just being super packed, super vibrant, full of people, going out, having a good time, all the restaurants filled, you know, parents and kids at the farmer's market on the weekend riding their bikes. And, you know, the streets now are just empty. 
which they should be, but they're just empty, right? And um, it was just, you know, I spent the last 15 years of my life, you know, working and building up this neighborhood that I live in. And, you know, when this passes, that could all be gone. And so the, the number 10 kept popping up in different increments. And that's where the idea of the power of 10 came, where it's just like, let's use my resources, my community, my leverage, and turn it into whatever we can turn it into. It can be, if it ends up just being small, great. If it gets momentum and continues to build, great. But, you know, over the last few years, I've intentionally kept a lower profile as my, you know, as I want to be able to make sure I can have, spend more time with my family. But I have a whole phone of people I can call who know me that I can use to help others. And so then the power of 10 came into full fruition. And it's essentially a very simple platform that $10,000 a week in donations can sustain or supplement 10 full-time jobs um, and create a thousand free meals in any community in America. I think that's what's so great about it is that that math works in any city, any state, any, any area in the U S that if you have a problem, if you give a local restaurant there, an independent operator, $10,000 a week, they can keep 10 full-time jobs and create a thousand meals in exchange. So a, a, a trade for aid, essentially. And are these meals, are these meals that are going not to uh, necessarily to kind of restaurant customers, but to um, others who need them, whether they're healthcare workers or right. uh, food pantries. Yep, exactly. So at this point, um, so we launched on March 26th. We, we used all the money to stand up a restaurant in my neighborhood, Kane. Um, to this week alone, they will receive their fourth check. So from week to date, Kane has received $40,000 from the power of 10. That's fast. You know, at this point, that's more than probably 90% or 95% of any restaurant in America that's tried to receive any aid from a state or a federal government. Um, and so over the course of the last four weeks, they've received $10,000, they've produced a thousand meals and they were able to, now they have 10 full-time jobs, um, wow. in their restaurant. And I think and, like, that's huge. And where's the money coming from? Just from donors, individual donors or. The, yeah. The so 40,000. Every, every dollar that we've raised on our individual contributions platform, um, which is power of 10 initiative.com where you can essentially buy a $10 meal for someone to cook for someone else um, has been going towards Decane and all their food is going to Washington hospital center. Um, our raise to date um, uh, is about 200,000. Wow. So, and are, are you, you said this could, the math works in any community in America. Are you focused mostly on DC and have others um, come to you to try to replicate this where they are? Yeah. So uh, on um, today is the first day that we start serving um, meals through the Power of 10 initiative in Los Angeles. Um, and last week, um, a group in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, from a restaurant group called Burke Hospitality, they took our kind of, I've always called it an op- open source idea. They kind of took the Power of 10 concept and launched in their own city. They got a grant, they used our um, concept and pitched it to their local government and they got a grant from their local government to feed out of work restaurant workers and then they called us and we helped them build their own website called power of 10 um charlotte.com and now they're up and running in charlotte as well so you know it's slowly starting to build national 
um, momentum. In D.C., we now have five restaurants on board. And to be transparent, two of them are mine. Um, but we have five restaurants on board. And, um, you know, we just want to just um, do something, you know. And I think it's um, super necessary for small independent operators. Like we have to, in our own sense, whether we do it through a charity foundation like this, but we kind of have to unionize in some sense um, and just look out for each other. Um, there must be uh, a, a lot of other ideas that you've heard of from chefs and restaurateurs around the country who are trying to kind of keep themselves uh, and their teams, uh, at least in terms of some type of skeletal operation, um, uh, trying to keep that running. We were talking to Dan Barber from um, Blue Hill at Stone Barns, and he was talking about they've created these uh, boxes, which they're now selling uh, of, you know, uh, kind of very, really delicious and nutritious food. So many different ideas and innovations. Uh, as you're talking, it strikes me, Eric, that this is what chefs do. They and, and small business people and restaurateurs, they innovate, they create, they come up with new ideas. This is in some ways, um, you know, what you've described is new and, and surprising. And in some ways, I'm not at all surprised that you came up with it because that's who you are. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I think that people that things that have always been on the fringes, whether you're a musician, an artist, a chef, a small business owner, a freelancer, you know, it is always that group that creates something small that shows everyone how to do it moving forward. The problem with some of us is that we've never been able to figure out either how to do it big or it's just not what we're into, right? So I think that the small business owner in America is one of the most agile groups because fighting to make it every week is what we've always had to do. We just are doing it in just much more different conditions. Huh. I think like huh. our company has always been great at figuring things out as it comes to us. We've never been great at how to be a profitable, sustainable business over years. So that, but, that part's never been easy. But, you know, someone coming to us, you know, and saying, hey, you know, we need you to cater 15,000 people in 48 hours. And you're looking at, you you know, what you have and you're like, that's impossible. But the last thing I'm going to do is turn out, turn down that type of gig. Like that's what business owners in America have been doing forever. Now we're just doing it in a much more different type of situation, which is just like, okay, you know, I specialize in scrounging money. Now I just have to figure out what that means. Part of, I think, what's been so difficult about this time we're in um, with the, the, the lockdowns and um, everything else, the economic impact of coronavirus is, you know, just how difficult it is for any of us to see around the corner, to, to know what's coming next, to know what it's going to look like. Do you have any sense for the power of 10 initiative, how it will evolve? Will it morph? Will it still be here once restaurants start to reopen? Uh, a lot of folks have talked about restaurants are going to look different when they do reopen, and it could be quite some time before they look anything like what we've all come to know. Um, what's the? What do you think of is, is the long-term uh, potential for Power of 10? I think for me right now, I'm, I'm very passionate about it. And like we mentioned earlier, this need has existed long before this has happened. And I think it just was like a, a wake up call for me. I think I've always kind of been waiting in the waters of being a public servant. Um, 
and you know kind of just finally jumping into it um it is not far from how i've always kind of viewed things and really just now just saying i think for me i could lose every single restaurant and be one of those people that is just lucky enough to have the opportunities that they would other opportunities would come in its place but i think that pain of it i don't know if i would want want that but what i am really taking passion in is that everything that i've learned for the last 20 years being uh, in the restaurant industry is the real joy of it is just making people happy right and now just using that to just bring some joy to people in whatever form it is is really amazing and Eric, where are your restaurants um, donating the meals? Are they also the Washington Hospital Center? Uh, we are in Washington, D.C. We're doing the Washington Hospital Center, and they're they're partnered with Kane. We want to make sure that um, every partner that we have is getting a sustainable source of income, and then whoever is also getting the food, they can count on and rely on it. It's not going to be for like one day or for one week only. It's long-lasting, right? And... So Kane's doing Washington Hospital Center. ABC Pony's doing the D.C. Fire Department. Oh, that's Maketa's great. Maketa's doing the National Children's Center, which um, is a mix of community center and um, pediatric support. Um, and then uh, we have a, a couple of restaurants that are helping us fill the gaps um, in terms of, you know, some organizations that need just meals a couple of days, like um, Carpenter's Shelter in Alexandria, which is a homeless shelter. We're doing an elderly home in Chinatown. Um, that's mostly mixed of um, non-English speaking um, Asian um, elders. And so our, our program is basically you call um, or you hit us up um, and we'll bring you the food. Well, fantastic. What, a, what an impact. Um, thanks so much for what you're doing. We're going to let you go because we're at 30 minutes and you've got three kids under five, some of whom we can hear. And you're not the first guest or the last over these last few weeks to who have had their kids, uh, uh, the sounds of their kids in the background. So thanks for uh, doing this, even though your your kids need you. Um, I think we've all been in each other's homes, um, you know, through Zoom and other ways these last few weeks. And so we're, we're pretty used to that. But um, love what you're doing, Eric. Loved having the chance to learn more about it. I love your phrase of waiting in the water, uh, of being a public servant. Um, public service needs you. And um, it's, as you know, Share Strength has been built on the, the notion that um, chefs and restaurateurs and small business people have strength to share and can make a, a huge, huge difference in the community. And you're an example of somebody who's doing that in such a powerful way. Um, I assume people can donate by going to powerof10initiative.com. Is that the best website? Yeah, powerof10initiative.com. You can you can donate um, as an individual up into up to ten thousand dollar increments. Um, and then um, if you're a large organization or foundation, um, we are we are set up with our five hundred one three C partners to take grants. Um, you know, special thanks to Share Our Strength and No Kid Hungry. You know, I, we're receiving a grant from you guys to do an amazing program with um, the Pediatric Center for Georgetown Hospital um, yeah. for. Um, mothers in their program to have sustainable meals and after they've given birth. Um, and as a new, as a third time new parent, we're really excited. Each family has very specific needs. So they're all going to get these really great 
kind of customized meals that will deliver to their homes. And, you know, your guys' financial support is, which is huge. And it was very generous of you guys. As we kind of wrap up, uh, you know, I think uh, my very first podcast with you was with that amazing gentleman who was the marketing guy. What was his name? Uh, Bill Novelli, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it was and Bill Novelli, almost, yes. Yeah, and almost in the same where he was like, why am I doing this? You know, mm-hmm. why am I designing these cereal boxes? I have the ability to to do something bigger and I never have taken the full leap. So we're in full leap. So if Bill Novelli listens to this, you know, and, you know, for you guys, thanks for being an inspiration. I, I will make sure that he does. Thank you. Um, I've been talking with Eric Bruner Yang, restaurateur from D.C. with four restaurants, Maketo, Spoken English, Brothers and Sisters, and ABC Pony. Uh, Maketo and ABC Pony are both available now for takeout ordering. Uh, and Eric is the force behind the Power of 10 initiative, which is doing so much good both by uh, keeping restaurants open, employing restaurant staff, and donating meals to essential community organizations. Um, Eric Bruner-Yang, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, Eric. Uh, we need, oh, I'm sorry. I just want to make sure Eric remembers we have to stay connected. Yes. Uh, and let me thank all of the team at Share Strength who makes Add Passion and Stir uh, and all of our work with the No Kid Hungry campaign possible. Uh, our producer, Woody, Paul Woodle, who has managed through very difficult uh, circumstances like everybody else to put out not only this show, but many other shows on a weekly basis so that folks are informed about what's going on. Uh, My sister, Debbie Shore, who often gets to be with me, Kelly Griffin, uh, and today, uh, special assistance from my own son, Nate Shore, who in my home studio here has helped me with the technology as always. You've been listening to Add Passion and Stir. I'm Billy Shore. Add Passion and Stir is distributed by District Productive. Our executive producer is Peter Ogburn. Add Passion and Stir is the creation of Billy Shore, Debbie Shore, and Paul Woody Woodhall.